the grace. Well, I'm back again with another quizzing update. So the month of January actually saw two tournaments for our senior quizzer, Noah, and one for our junior quizzer. So you've seen a lot of me <laughs> this month. Uh, but after this, we are going to go back to our standard one-a-month uh, format. But for our most recent tournament, um, it was in Vider, Texas this past weekend. Noah, if you want to come forward. It's called the Louisiana-Texas Open. And as its name suggests, there are teams from Louisiana and Texas, but there were also teams from Alabama and Arkansas this year. It is one of the largest tournaments that we attend, other than nationals, with about 60 teams total. Noah and his teammate Nathaniel quizzed really well this past weekend. They quizzed late into the night, Friday night. Um, first time Noah's ever quizzed past 10 p.m., I think. But senior quizzing is no joke. <laughs> Followed by a gauntlet of games on Saturday. And um, in those games, Noah was highest scorer in one. He was second highest scorer in, the, uh, in four. And then they ended up placing second in their division for this tournament. So both boys, they've, they've done a great job so far this year. They've been very open-minded coming into a new division, and they're like little sponges when it comes to soaking in all of the information that they possibly can, and it's resulting in some really great quizzing on their part. So well done, Noah, and um, just keep our quizzers in your prayers as they continue through this year. Thank you all so much. Well, good morning, Grace Church. Isn't that a wonderful report? Amen. I want to take this opportunity to welcome everyone here to the campus. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we're glad you're with us. We pray the service will be a blessing to you. Those of you here today, why don't you look at somebody sitting nearby, give them a big smile, tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord today. Before we uh, transition into our worship time, with the praise team, I do want to just take a couple of moments and let you know about our upcoming schedule this week. We have a, a kind of a unique week ahead of us, and uh, I want to just talk to you a moment so that everybody will be aware of what's going on. First of all, Tuesday evening at 7.30, right here in the sanctuary, will be family prayer. And we are first, let me say, first Tuesday prayer, and we want all of our families to come and pray. Last time in January, we had a tremendous turnout and uh, we just want to encourage everybody to come out again for First Tuesday Prayer uh, for February. And let's pray. Let's touch heaven and see what God will do. So that's Tuesday night. Wednesday night, service will be dismissed. So please make a note of this. Service will be dismissed Wednesday night. The reason is because Thursday night, we are having a Kids Holy Ghost Crusade. And we've, we've talked about it uh, over the pulpit several times, but... Let me just say again, in case there's someone here who has not heard, we are the host church for this crusade in our area. This is a crusade being done by the United Pentecostal Church International. So it's an honor to be able to host this and to be chosen to do so. Uh, but beyond that and besides that, we want to see a move of God among our kids. And uh, we're expecting a tremendous turnout, a lot of uh, guests, a lot of visitors. And uh, we want you to come. Bring your children, bring your grandchildren. If you don't have children and grandchildren, come and help us pray. Come and help us worship. Come and help us create an environment where the Holy Ghost can be poured out. Uh, so 7.30 Thursday night, Brother Steve Cannon, 
who is the children's director for the for the unit for the UPC and also brother Daniel Gums will be the speakers in that service will be tremendous will be tremendous so please be a part of that finally on uh, Sunday February 13th mark your calendar that'll be our baby dedication Sunday if that pertains to you and you would like to have your baby dedicated in that service please make uh, plans to contact the church office and then also on Sunday February 13th that evening at 6 30 will be the church business meeting, the annual business meeting. Pastor told us last Sunday in his sermon that God can move even in a business meeting. We can have Pentecost in a business meeting. So come expecting revival at 6.30, February 13th for the church annual business meeting. Stand with me if you will. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer uh, by way of starting the service, but we also have a couple of very special needs I want to bring to you. And so by way of starting the service, I want us to pray for these needs. And then as we pray, we're just going to transition into worship. And the praise team will take it from there and lead us into God's presence. Very special request this morning for Gary Cater, who needs prayer. This is Sister Sarah Tomlinson's nephew. And they have asked the church to call Gary's name in prayer. And then I want to present to you a very special need, one of our missionaries, uh, the Bensons. Uh, Brother Michael Wayne Benson, they are missionaries to Benin in uh, Africa. Uh, he was uh, in the States for a routine physical, and they found some serious issues with his heart. And uh, he is uh, facing some very serious surgeries. And then on top of all that, they were in the middle of a Bible school building project there in their country. It was going very well. They were way down into the project, and it is absolutely painful to them to be away from the field during this time, especially with the physical issue going on. So they've asked us to pray. And so I'm asking us to call the Benson family and also the work there in Benin before the Lord in prayer today, that God would move, that God would be kind, that God would undertake in that situation. Would you help me do that today? Let's pray together. Jesus, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. Lord, we know you're up far above it all. You're high above it all. You hold the whole world in your hands, Jesus. And these things are easy for you. They're challenging to us, but they're easy to you. And so today we specifically call the name Gary Cater to your attention. I pray, God, you would move in his life. Touch, Lord, like only you can. Do the work that only you can do. Lord, we commend this need to you. And we put it in your very capable hands. I pray for the Bensons today, God. They need you today. Touch Brother Michael in a great way. Touch his heart. Touch his body. And, Lord, touch that work, that Bible school, that project, that the revival that's happening. Lord, don't, don't let the flame die, Lord, but undertake and breathe fresh life into that work, into that church, into that Bible school, even in their absence. Lord, show yourself mighty, I pray, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, let's just praise the Lord together. Let's praise the Lord together with a voice of triumph. God, we worship you. You're high above all, God. Just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting. 
Declare it over your life today. 
just allow him, invite him into this place, invite him into your hearts today.
Ghost in the house today. And if there's something you need from the Lord, there's no reason why you should leave here without it. Amen. I said the presence of the Lord is here today. He's not here as a guest. He's not here as a spectator. He wants to minister to somebody today. Hallelujah. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Thankful to see all of you here today, and I uh, thank you so very much for coming and uh, being a part of this service. And uh, I want to say to Bryson today that God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost, buddy. He wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah! You don't have to wait another service. And uh, he's at that point where the Holy Ghost to hit him and. That little mouth will just freeze. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you'll let those words come out, the Bible said it'll come from the inside of you like a well flowing out of your out of your belly, is what the Bible said. And you open your mouth, buddy, all throughout the service today. You don't have to wait till the altar service. If you want the Holy Ghost, just throw up your hands and you'll speak in a language you've never spoken in before. It's pretty cool. Your brother's done it, your parents have done it, your grandparents have done it. Thank the Lord. It can happen to you. You believe that? Um, this is going to sound real random, but we like to do our best to accommodate the needs and the feelings of everybody we can. And uh, Christian Stokes asked me today to wish him a happy birthday. Today's his birthday. And he said he wanted the whole world to know. There you go. Give it up for Christian, he's saying. That's right. How old are you? 18. Oh my, to be 18 again. Oh goodness, to be 18 again. Well, happy birthday, Christian. This is going out on live stream. This will be all around the world. People are going to know that Christian is 18 years old today. So happy birthday. Thank the Lord. Well, and all due respect to our sweet Braylon, today is going to be Dr. Pepper Sunday. Uh, I know at least one of our young people that drank a whole one this morning. And he needed it just a little while ago to get around them aisles. You all know the story. And uh, But when you leave today, we have a small cold drink for you. Dr. Pepper, Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, whatever it is. But you listen carefully. You don't drink it until you are on your way to church next Sunday. That's right. You set it in your refrigerator and it sits there for a week. No matter how bad you're tempted, I don't want you to forget none of that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask uh, our church office to just send out a mass text to everybody. Do not drink your Dr. Pepper until next Sunday or whatever it is you take home with you. There's a mighty move of the Holy Ghost going on in this church right now. And I hope we all discern it. I hope we all recognize it. And uh, today is going to be no different. Thank the Lord. And uh, I did think while the service was going on today, I remember our sweet Sister Dean Dykes, it's been several years ago. There was a great move of God. Some people were running the aisles and dancing and being elderly and, 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 and just some physical issues. All she could do was just take little bitty steps. And it took her a long time to get around and make a whole circle. By the time she got back around, we was giving altar service and church was about over. I'm saying that in jest, but it took her. But that was the best she could do. She gave to Jesus that day. And it convicted me. 
convicted me bad. That if she can do that, what can I do to show Jesus? We want God to manifest himself. Why don't we manifest our worship? Why don't we manifest our worship? Thank the Lord. So I thought about it while they were singing this morning that we could do this side, these two sections over here. The aisles could be for people that want to run. For us old folks that can't run and just walk, we can designate this side for the walkers. <clears throat> so y'all keep that in mind. I saw a few people here this morning. I, I can discern spirits sometimes. You, you wanted to do something. You're just afraid of these 14, 15, 16-year-old bucks out in the aisle. And, and it's aggravating when you're running the aisle and somebody cuts in front of you that's going slow. It's kind of like traffic, and you just can't get going. And they're, they're in front of you, and they won't turn left anywhere and get out of your way. Uh, so all of you slow movers, all of us old folks, we'll take this side of the building. Is that okay? We want the manifestation presence of God. Why don't we manifest our desire of that in our worship? It's biblical. It's biblical. Yes, it is. Thank the Lord. Thank you, young people. Thank you for your worship. Thank you for reaching out to the Lord so beautifully, beautifully this morning. I saw one of our young girls over here. It's like she, she went around the aisle and came back up here and like the Holy Ghost hit her right there. She was dancing and shouting and speaking in tongues. I don't, I don't know where you would want your kids to be otherwise, but I can't think of a better place for them than right here, right now. Amen. Thank the Lord. And I'll say to our, our dads of this group up here, we'll pray with our kids. Can we worship with our kids? Any of you old men keep up with them? What do you think? Uh, I just want a move of God. I want us, we've been, we've been bound up for two years with, with all the stuff and you all know about it. I, just, I want to feel the liberty of the Holy Ghost in the midst of all this stuff. God can still move. Amen. Thank you. First Samuel chapter 30, beginning with verse 1. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any. They didn't kill anybody. They just took them. Didn't matter if they were great or small. They carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, and their sons, and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because of the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to preach to you for just a few moments today. Time for a comeback. Time for a comeback. 
Hallelujah. I feel it here right now. I feel it here right now. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell him I'm going to help the preacher. God bless you. Thank you. And you may be seated. Here in the south, in the deep south, we are fond of a very familiar phrase, y'all come back. I'm not as southern as some people I've heard. I've even heard people say that more southern than, than I can say it. I say to our guest, and I say it unfailingly, you're always welcome to come back. Something I mean with all of my heart. There's also another use of the term come back, and that's what I want to preach to you about for a few minutes this morning. The comeback that I'm going to preach to you this morning means revival, rebirth, response. All of that means comeback. It can be losing. It can be losing real bad. It can be losing to the point where everybody around says, there's no use in fighting anymore, but something happens. <laughs> I said, but something happened. In just a moment, momentum swings the other way. Momentum swings in your favor. And when you were losing yesterday, when you were the loser last week, all of a sudden... There's a lot of potential here for you to become the winner. I wish somebody would get on board real quick. I, I ain't going much further than this right here. This is my whole message right here. You just heard the whole thing, even though I'm not concluding right now. Sister Murph and I were having dinner with uh, Brother Tom Laidlaw this past Monday night. And uh, he shared this with us. He said, the church in Mattoon, Illinois that he knows very well. He's been there numerous, numerous times, pastored by Shane Dowdy, is experiencing a move of God similar to what we are experiencing here. And Brother Dowdy made the following statement several weeks ago. He said, walk like you're chosen by God and you will start walking in momentum. I don't know about you, but that's what's happened to me. I got tired of walking around like this, and I decided I'm going to start walking around like this. I got tired of looking like the loser. I got tired of looking, looking like there was no way out. I got tired of all of that. And now I can tell you in the Holy Ghost, the momentum of heaven, the momentum of heaven is swinging my way now. Hallelujah to God. And I believe that is what we're doing right now. We are making a comeback here at Grace Church. And there is a mountain of momentum moving in this building right now. And I thank God for his manifest presence here today. In the scripture setting I just read, David who had been called, he had been called. He had been chosen. He had been anointed. 
to be the king of Israel. So when that happens, nothing bad can happen in your life, right? That's not what the Bible teaches. He was called. He was chosen. He was anointed. He had been fighting. He was not idle. He had been fighting the enemy. But when he returned home to a little town called Ziklag, located in Philistia where the Philistines lived, when he arrived there, his family was gone. And that city, the Bible said, was burned to the ground. Again, his family was gone. His family was gone. His city was burned. His possessions were stolen. And his faithful, loyal men had turned against him. And he was away from his home country. But notice, in the midst of all the horrible disaster, you've got to catch this point. In the midst of all this horrible, horrible disaster, God saw to it. He allowed the disaster. But he also determined that no one would be killed. His family, his wives, his children, they were all still living. You've got to get that point. They were still alive, but they were just gone, taken away. In other words, even though everybody that he loved and everybody that he cared about, even though they were all gone, they were still Alive. Y'all aren't hearing me right now. In other words, God spared their lives. And David, if you want them back, you're going to have to go get them. Oh, my goodness. So, David... In the midst of everything that you see right now, your city is burned to the ground, your home is burned to the ground, your wives and kids are taken, your possessions have been taken. It's up to you, buddy, to make something happen in the middle of all this disaster. You know, I wouldn't be quite so excited about this if I hadn't been living it for the past few weeks and months. It looked pretty messy around here for a while, and I think a lot of you would agree. I think that our leadership staff especially would agree. Dave Bunch would agree. He hadn't texted me to have lunch with him in a month because he's sick of the tired and moaning and groaning and carrying on and all that stuff that I do. He didn't say that. I'm just thinking that. But when I preached to you that sermon last year, this bunch, in the middle of all the despair, in the middle of all the heartbrokenness, in the middle of all the things that we had lost and all that we had given up, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that day. And I've not been the same since. I've not been the same since. I've not been the same since. God just hit me. And don't worry about what's all going on that you can see right now. But if you'll look heavenward, and if you'll do what David did, and encourage yourself, 
there's nothing around to encourage you. And everywhere you look is discouraging. Everywhere you look is, is, is hopelessness and despair. But the things that you're after is still alive. The things that I was after is still alive. There's a heart still beating in this church. There's a move of God yet to happen in this church. There's a revival that's still to be poured out in this church. And it's still alive. But it's up to me. It's up to me to go get it. And we're getting it. Oh, God, we're getting it. I said, oh, God, we're getting it. Hallelujah. So I want to preach to some people here today. You listen to me. Some of you has lost your family. It's been taken away. But they're not dead. They're still living. They're still breathing. They're not just at church with you right now. But they're out there. And they've been taken captive by an enemy. And an enemy that needs to be destroyed. I'm here to submit to you today. If you'll pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and encourage yourself in God and get on your face before God, who knows what kind of revival and rebirth is waiting to happen in your family and in your home. David, David had to realize two things. That his family was worth, they, they, they were still alive, they were still breathing, they were in the hands of their captors. That was the first thing he had to realize, they're still alive, so there's still hope. I'm a warrior, I'm a fighter, I know what to do. But he also had to realize that my wife and kids are worth saving. I'm not just going to surrender them to the enemy and say as long as he'll keep them living, I'll be okay with that just as long as they can come home for Christmas and celebrate Easter and, you know, hang out once in a while. No, 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 no. I want them back home. You should want your family here with you. You should want your kids here with you. You should want your spouse here with you. Hallelujah. I'm not here condemning. I'm here convicting because there's a move of God to be had at Grace Church. And we have the momentum right now. We have God on our side right now. And if God be for us, who can be against us? lost everything his men were was against him he was literally all alone he was discouraged because of the decision he had made to follow Achish into battle against Israel he was grieving over his losses and he was distressed because his own men wanted to stone him but David didn't lose hope even when there wasn't an immediate sign of hope he didn't lose hope even when there was not an immediate sign of hope. Instead, David encouraged himself and the Lord. He got in touch with God before he would do anything. And when you're in such a case, the Lord will use things to draw you to him as well. David encouraged himself. 
God had always been with him. He was with him at this very moment. Listen to pastor today. It's easy to lose sight of him when the events around you overshadow his presence. God never leaves you, particularly in times of distress when you feel all alone. He's right there with you. Several nights ago, what night did you have that dream? Remember? Monday night, is, we got in bed Monday night, and I was having one of those nights, man, that you just, you're just so anxious and worried about some things, worried about some church folks and what have you. Couldn't sleep. I wallowed and tossed and turned, wallowed. We went to bed about 11. I got up finally about 1 o'clock, just went to my office and thought, well, I'll just wait it out. Maybe after a while I'll get sleepy and I'll just go back to bed. But pastor wasn't feeling good. And oftentimes, when that happens, Sister Murphy will get up out of bed when she realizes I'm gone and come in and check on me. And uh, so I heard her scurrying through the house, coming towards my office, and I was prepared to answer and whatnot, and she didn't ask me how I was doing. She said, uh, I just had a dream. And immediately when she said that, I thought, dear God, she wants me to help interpret a dream at 1.30 in the morning. I don't feel good. I'm not in a good place for this. And I was terrified that it was going to be one of these horrible nightmare things and God's going to rain judgment down on us and we was going to die in hours. That's what I felt. I'm being honest. That's what I felt. She walked in and the expression on her face was different this time. And she said, I had a dream. And before I could say, what was it? She said, me and you and Noah were outside and the wind just started blowing furiously and dark clouds are just everywhere rolling rolling vicious mean and I thought dear God here we go and I'm being honest and said they were rolling hard rolling hard hard clouds of wind blowing furiously and she said a giant tree she watched a giant tree just topple over to the ground just the wind blew it over and she said if we don't get to a place of safety we're not going to make it through this storm. So we managed to work through the wind, run through the wind, the three of us, and found a place of safety. And when she got there, she said she looked up, and there was a hole that formed in those clouds. And a, a bright light just started coming out of it. And she just kept staring at that hole. And she looked at me, sitting in my office, and she said, Honey, I just saw Jesus. I can't tell you what swept over me. And all due respect to my beautiful sister Murph, she don't oftentimes dream dreams like that, but has never dreamed one of that magnitude. And something ran all over me. And I believe the voice of God spoke to me, and he said, I'm showing you that I was, I've been with you all through the past two years. This is where I was. You've questioned where I was with you. You've questioned where I was beside you. You've gone through hardship and discouragement, but this is where I was, and this is what I look like. And she said he was just rolling his arms like this, just rolling his arms and moving very, very animated. 
uh, a lot of movement, uh, a lot of commotion, if you will, just waving his arms and rolling his arms. And I believe it was God's way of saying that when I was with you, you didn't feel it and you didn't see it like that. But I was pushing back the darkness. I was holding it back. I was fighting for you. I was on your side. I knew what you were going through and I knew where you were at. And I wasn't going to let you go down. I'm here to tell somebody today when she told me that dream, I folded up my recliner and said, Honey, I'm going to bed. I got to bed and went sound asleep because I knew that she had just seen Jesus. She didn't feel Jesus. She got a glimpse of our God, of that most powerful being that has kept his hand on us to this very moment, to this very place. So I submit to you, David, the Lord has protected in the past. David had seen the hand of the Lord in his protection again and again. God was with him when he faced the bear. God was with him when he faced the lion. God was with him when he faced Goliath. God was with him when he faced the Philistine. God was with him when Saul was chasing him around Judea like a dog. God never left his side regardless of if David saw him or not. Oh, God. And God would continue to protect him. Listen to pastor, when you are hurt, when you're grieving, when you're discouraged, you need to remember all the times and all the ways that the Lord has protected you. He's brought every one of us a mighty long ways. Melanie, his hand has never deserted his people. He's never quit listening to our prayers. And we have felt the presence of God. But God gave Sister Murph a vision of what he looked like through all of this mess. And it was a God who was still full of victory and power. And he wasn't going to allow anything to happen to us that we couldn't handle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only did the Lord protect David and us, the Lord has provided. The Lord had been so good to meet all of David's needs. And he was meeting David's needs even in this horrible, horrible time of hardship. Remember that the Lord's provisions are abundant. When you need money to pay a bill next week, it matters not whether the money is in your bank account or in the Lord's bank account. It'll be there for you when you need it because God is our provider. Number three. The Lord has promised. He was with us in our past. He is with us right now. And he's with us in our future. Because he promised. God had promised David. You listen to me today. When David arrived at Ziklag, it's hard to remember that promise. Hey, David, remember when you were anointed to be king of Israel when you was about 12 years old and Samuel poured that oil all over you? It's hard to remember that. But God didn't forget it. God has not forgotten he has not forgotten. He promised David that you would be king of Israel one day. He had been anointed by Samuel. God wasn't going to abandon him now. And God wasn't going to let his grieved men stone him. We need to learn how to trust God's promises in times of discouragement. God has anointed you. God has called you. God has chosen you. 
this is his church, and he's got his hand on you today. So here brings the Lord's perspective, as he showed Sister Murph the other night in that dream. Oftentimes, we have to be put in a place where we really have to learn how to trust God. I hear Sister Patricia, yeah, yeah. She's been there a few times, but she's still here today taking notes and shouting the victory and worshiping God because she's learned, she's learned when the enemy comes in like a flood that the Spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard against him. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I'll rise again. Why? Because God has called me, God has chosen me, God has anointed me. David, David prayed and God answered his prayer. And the story concludes very simply, and David recovered all, everything the enemy, enemy took. David got it back, but David had to go after it. Too many of us here today has decided that I'm really not up for the battle. Whatever the devil has taken from me, he can have it. No, sir. No. Not when it comes to my family. Not when it comes to things that God has given to me. The devil can't have that. That's not just mine. That's God's. And there's something else. When David encouraged himself in the Lord, maybe he did something that I have a hard time doing. And that's looking at the good side. Sister Murphy's got it mastered to the point where it's irritating house just burned down the ground well look at the good side there ain't a good side it's all burnt to the ground there ain't a side it's all the bottom but David did have a good side and so do we at least him and his men returned from that battle unharmed and well able-bodied to attack what just took his family they didn't end up fighting in the battle in which Saul and Jonathan were killed they recovered everything and no one was harmed nor injured. They ended up with extra spoil and shared it with those who had, who had sustained them. They weren't going back to need, they weren't going to even need Ziklag again because it was in Philistia and they were going to have to move back to Israel anyway. Maybe it was God's way of getting them to head back to Israel so he could pursue his anointing and his kingship again. They were, they, they were never going to need Ziklag again. So in the midst of all this trouble, there were many good things going on. So I submit to you today that Grace Church is in a better place now than it's been in a long time. Virtually every part of this church is better. God is pouring out His Spirit. People are feeling it and feeling better about their relationship with God. David could not have seen all of these things at the moment. He saw the city burn and their possessions being taken away. In about a year and a half, 
a year, year and a half ago. You and I couldn't really see all of that good stuff either. But God saw it. He saw it on our behalf. And he has sustained us to this moment. I declare with every fiber in my body, this battle ain't over with yet. And God ain't going to rapture out a defeated church, a weak church, a discouraged church. He's coming back after a church that's full of power and anointing and victory. Take a little walk down memory lane. We came here to pastor in 1993, you know that. Church had 12 people. You two rows of boys stand up if you would. Ethan, stand up. This is how many we had in our church when we came here. Anybody get that picture? I'll make you shout and dance and run the aisles, won't it? And besides that, those 12 people, most of them were over 65 years old, retired, and wore out. Thank you. You may be seated. We inherited a very, very broken building. The city of Baker thought the church had closed, that there was no one attending. We were here for a few months. And we served papers. We were being sued for $100,000. My own mother called it a burnover feel. The previous pastor had been murdered six months into our pastorate. And we, it's Grace Church now, but back then it was a paragraph. The first United Pentecostal Church of Baker. You'd run out of ink writing your tithe check. Name that long. We were the hopeless underdog. I'll never forget my mother asked me, why are you going to Baker? It's just a burn over field. And besides that, you have this church and that church. She named two that are very large churches. And you're going to try to rebuild that church in the shadow of those two churches. And yep, that's what God called me to do. That's the way the people around me saw it. But I chose to look at it the way God saw it. <laughs> and Brother Chuck, we built a church there. We did. I thought it was a mighty fine church. We built it up to about 50, 60 people. And in 2006, we went through the horribleness that most pastors go through at least once, sometimes more than that. We had a little church split. And a third of them got up and walked out. so hard I've been full time for a while thought I was going to go back to work as a matter of fact I wanted to even resign the church and forget about it but I started looking at what God saw not what I saw so we rebuilt it built it back up not long after that we wanted to rent this building brother Chuck you remember brother Merrill and I came and talked to the pastor right over there in what is now our church office consummated the rental agreement and he said I understand y'all are building you have property on Blackwater Road I said yeah he said you want to buy this building I said absolutely 
when you look at things the way God does. I was talking about paying your bills a little while ago. Don't worry about it. The money will be in the bank when it's, when it's time. That's what happened here. We had 65 people, and he wanted, at that time, he wanted $1.8 million for this building, for this property. I was, in myself, knew we'd have a hard time even coming up with a million, but God worked a deal. Oh, did God work a deal. We ended up paying less for this campus than, we would, than what we'd have paid had we built on Blackwater. Our notes was cheaper. Everything was cheaper. And on top of that, that first Sunday that we owned this building after renting it for 14 months, you all know the story. Somebody came and got me. I was back here somewhere. We was trying to hustle to get Sunday school rooms set up and what have you. And I think we had two, oh, ye of little faith. And somebody came and got me and said, Pastor, there's people coming. We don't even know who they are. And we went from 65 to 123 in one week, almost a double jump in one week. You know why? You know why? Because God said, if I'm for you, if I'm for you, if I'm for you. And we did some scratching and clawing, but we got our momentum back. And then here comes COVID. And we did some scratching and clawing and some moaning and groaning and crying and complaining. But here we are again by the absolute might and power of Almighty God. And it tells me one more time, God ain't done yet. At Grace Church, he's not done yet. I've had church families come to my office. I've had wives, husbands, kids, parents. They've all come to my office. I'll be honest, when they walk out the door, I'll look at Sister Murph and say, well, if there's going to be any hope for that situation, God's going to have to intervene. There's marriages, there's families here today you're here right now that I thought that about you. I've been in your homes. I've been in your living rooms. And when Sister Murphy and I would leave, we're thinking, my God, it's going to take a miracle to put that marriage back together. It's going to take a miracle to get them kids back in church. But here you are. You were the loser. You had no chance of coming out on top. But God saw it come back. And he just let a little momentum start swinging your way, your way. There's people here today that's facing a magnitude of trouble and calamity and problems in your life. And I see you right now. You're running to everybody but God. I'll go to the doctor. I'll go to the attorney. I'll go to my friends and I'll go to my family. I want to encourage somebody today to make a good, solid comeback and bring all of that stuff right up here and say, God, I'm going to give this to you because I feel a comeback. I feel a comeback. Whether or not everything works out like I want it to, your hand is still on me. Your spirit is still in me. You're still guiding me. You're still directing me. Come on, somebody. There's individual people here today 
Maybe you have a family here. Maybe you don't. I remember some conversations I've had with some of you folks. It didn't look good. Your brain was somewhere else. Lodged deep in the clutches. The devil. Let me tell you folks something. We, we have a propensity not to be as sober and as conscientious about backsliders as maybe we should be because a lot of them just look like they've just moved on with their lives and they're happy and they're not interested in church. But I'll promise you this because I've heard too many of them say it. When they lay their head on their pillow at night to go to sleep, they're terrified Amen. that they're going to die before morning or that the rapture is going to take place before morning. I've heard too many of them say it. God is on their mind even though we can't see that and yes maybe they've lost out with God and maybe they walked away but God ain't done yet over the past several weeks I've had at least two that texted me I didn't text them they texted me one wanted to come by and visit another one wanted to go out to dinner I texted the third one and said, hey, would y'all like to go out to dinner? Absolutely. Thank you for thinking of us. That's what the person said. I got it on my phone. Thank you for thinking of us. I believe there's a hunger and there's a desire. We have some backsliders that are very close to this church that knows a lot of people in this church, and they're just tired of losing. And I believe there's people here this morning tired of losing, Pastor. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of things not going right. Things may be going kind of well right now. There may be a lot of money in the bank and all that stuff. But deep down in your heart, you know it's not well between you and God. It brings me to the story of the prodigal son. We all know the story. He left home a rich man by the time he ended up in a pig pen with his face buried down in slop slurping up spoiled rotten food with the pigs that he was living with and taking care of a little light came on in his head he didn't go looking for another job he didn't, he didn't start sending out resumes and hoping I can find something better a little light came on in his head you know the story he said to himself how many servants at my father's house has bread and enough to spare and look where I'm at I'm going back home to my father's house our, our wonderful beautiful backslidden people deep down in their heart they know if they really want to be fed if they really want to be restored this is where you come to for it to happen As you stand with me this morning and I, the Holy Ghost is moving all across this building right now. It's moving all across this building right now. I remember one of my brothers turned his back on God. I was maybe 12, 13, 14 years old at the time. He had run away from home several times. I'd get up and let him in in the wee hours of the morning when he'd tap on the glass over our bed. 
it just didn't look good for him to ever come back to God. He was so bitter, so hurt, so angry. Living an immoral life was the wrong direction. And it seemed like the devil was winning and God was losing in his life. But a revival hit our church. I want you guys to hear me. Mighty revival hit the church I attended. And me and a good friend of mine that was also a good friend of my brother's. We went to Shoney's one night on Florida and Wooddale. After a revival service on Sunday night, it was during the summer, we was out of school. We was in his old 1965 Chevrolet pickup truck. We were eating. We started talking about my brother. And one of us suggested, I don't know who it was, but one of us suggested, said, hey, Ben, I had, I had a key to the church. I'm not going to tell you how I got it, but I had one. And we agreed, just me and him, to go back to the prayer room of that church. And we got there about 1130 that night and stayed till about 1 o'clock in the morning praying for my brother. The following Sunday night, he was sitting way back there about where Steve and Sherry are sitting. Brother Young preached an amazing sermon about the woman with the issue of blood touching the hem of his garment. And God lifted up her out of that crowd, figuratively speaking, and said, she touched me and healing virtue has flown out of me and God healed her. He gave the altar call. My friend and I were sitting on the front row and I watched my brother walk by me and kneel right there at the altar bench. And we both just started sobbing and something hit us both said, quit crying and acting like a baby and go down there and pray with him. And in a matter of moments, God refilled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He went into ministry. He went into ministry. He went into ministry and just retired. As a matter of fact, Brother Young preached the sermon the night that he prayed back through the Holy Ghost. And I believe it was last year, year before last, Brother Young went and spoke at his retirement party he retired from ministry. What a story. But that's what happens when momentum swings. And God starts moving in your favor. As they begin to sing softly, uh, there's some people here today, I would to God you'd move up here. I would to God you just come up here a few minutes. Just, just come up here a few minutes. Just see what happens. Just, just give God five minutes of a chance today. Just give him five minutes. You don't even have to come up here. You can, you can stay back there if you want where you're at. But just talk to God and say, God, I'm tired of losing. I'm losing everything in front of my very eyes. I'm losing everything. My life is falling apart. Everything I've hoped and dreamed of is being taken away. It doesn't have to end that way. Bring it to Jesus. Feel the momentum of this. 
church right now and let God have his way in your life. Let God have his way in your life. Jesus, you change everything. 